Hey, I'm Austin, and I'm one of the pastors here at Vantage Point Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope this message both encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, hey, uh, I'm excited because today we are nearing the end of our series. We've been in this series a little over five weeks now called When You See It, and we've been talking about, ooh, there you go. Uh, we've been talking about this idea uh, uh, of having a biblical worldview, that it's so important for us to see the world around us, how we interact with it, and we're looking at some of the most important issues of, of life today and seeing it through uh, God's perspective from a biblical worldview. And so <clears throat> I was thinking with, with, you know, everything that's going on right now, uh, you know, with the election coming up in a couple days, you're aware of that, right? I mean, we've heard probably a little bit about that, a little thing called the, an election happening in a couple days. And I know, uh, you know, some of you are tired of hearing about it. Like, come to church, like, you know, you're, you're annoyed or you're just, you know, kind of exhausted and you just want it to be done. And I thought, you know what, we at Vantage Point Church, we want to help, right? We want to help you. And so, that, you know, what would, make, what would make for a nice little distraction? Sex. So I thought we would talk about sex today and get your mind off of the election. <clears throat> okay? And so <laughs> we are talking about sex and how we view sexual? Yeah, we really are. You're like, is, no, is he joking? No, we're talking about it. your view of sexuality. And uh, let me just say this: uh, if you do have elementary age kids, uh, you know, up to sixth grade, up through sixth grade, now would be a great time to, to go like right out through those double doors and the second set of double doors. Follow the blue sidewalk and take them to our kids' church. It's an amazing program. They're gonna have a great time. Uh, I would avoid a, an awkward car ride home. Now, for those of you, let me just say a little caveat, those of you that are in 7th or 8th grade and you find yourself sitting next to mom or grandma, um, my best advice is just don't make eye contact. You know, it's only a half hour. We're going to get through this, okay? Uh, I don't know, maybe try, to, try not to laugh at the jokes and maybe take some notes. They'll think, oh, yeah, they're good. They're paying attention. I don't have to have this conversation. Parents, yes, you do, okay? Anyhow, we'll talk more about that later. So sex... We are talking about sex. And, you know, here is the strangest thing about all of this. The strangest thing is I think our culture holds two opposing views of sexuality at the same time. It's amazing. Our culture will say sex is nothing and it's everything in the same breath. It's crazy. Think about it. Our culture will say, well, sex, sex is nothing. It's just fun. It's casual. It's no big deal. It's just physical. And then the same people will turn next to you and in the same breath say, but my sexuality is my identity. I mean, it's, it's who I am. It, it, it what def, it's what defines me. Okay, sex, when it comes to sex, our culture says it's all and nothing. Not or nothing, it's all and nothing. And when we think about this, I mean, logically, does that work? Can something be all and nothing at the same time? I mean, logically, it just doesn't make sense. The truth is, it can't be. And when we try to maintain ideas like that, it leaves us confused, tired, and it hurts people. So, so we have to talk about this. So I'm like, why, why are we talking about sexuality in church? Like, I, gosh, I'm not so sure. I'm kind of, kind of uncomfortable with that. Well, that's why we need to talk about it. Okay, just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not happening. Okay, sorry if you're like... Like, really? Yeah, it's happening, so we, we're going to talk about it, okay? So, let's unpack these ideas a little bit more. And I have to say this, when I was starting to write this message series, this message, uh, I, I wanted to cover both. I was going to talk about sex being nothing and sex being everything in the same message. And the more I did the research, I realized 
that would be way too long of a message, and I'd be like just, just talking super fast. So we're going to have to cover it in two weeks. So come back next week for part two of this series. You're like, yay, and all the seventh graders are like, yeah, awesome. Okay, just don't sit by grandma. It'll be okay. So let's, let's jump in. Number one, sex is nothing. Our culture says sex is nothing. It's just physical. I mean, if it's, if it's between two consenting adults and no one gets pregnant or no one gets a, an STD, then sex is just an activity. It's just something fun to do. It's a great way to spend a half hour or 10 minutes, you know, whatever, okay? <laughs> There's nothing on Netflix, so let's just chill, right? Our culture would say sex is just, it's just an activity. It's, it's ping pong, okay? It's, it's, it's touch football. Okay, more, it's more like tackle football, where the goal was to stay on the ground as long as you can. Okay, but this is what our culture But that's, how, come on, let's be honest, that's how sex is portrayed. I got, we can have a little fun with this because it's going to get serious in a minute, right? But sex is portrayed in our culture as just a fun, casual thing. That's how the movies portray it, that it's just this light, kind of casual thing. Something that's fun and casual, sometimes awkward, but it's just physical. And we just try to laugh it off as that. But here's the thing. I think, I think deep down, I think deep down we know that's not the case. I think deep down we know there's something deeper and there's something more to sex and sexuality. And so here's the thing. Kind of, I, I want to make sure that we're kind of all on the same page. I want to make sure that we're all kind of nodding our head along and kind of in agreement when we kind of move on to the point. So here's what I have to do. I'm going to highlight this. And in order to do that, I'm going to ask a series of of questions. And um, these questions are probably going to, for, for some, they're going to stir up some feelings. They may bring up some memories, maybe some things you haven't thought about for a long time, maybe you've never even thought about. And, and I apologize for that because I recognize that this, for some, is, is difficult. But I have to say, you know what? It's important for us to look at things that make us uncomfortable, to, to deal with things that make us uncomfortable. We have a culture that, that wants to just, you know, go 90 miles a minute and just kind of push all these things, and let's just avoid the awkwardness. Let's, let's not look at things that make us uncomfortable. But we have to do that. Okay, so let's start. Question number one is this. If sex is really just physical, then why is it that when a child is sexually abused, when they get older and they, they start to come to terms, they start to process what happened to them, why is it they can't just shake it off and move on? I mean, it's just physical, right? If it's just physical, why can't they just kind of brush it off and, and, and move on to other things, you know? I mean, why is it that it's so difficult that for some, this experience follows them throughout their life and, and, and has a, a part in shaping who they are? Why can't they just shake that off? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know, some dirty old man touched me inappropriately, but, you know, it's past, it's done, I wanna, just, I've moved on. And I, I've let it go. Why is that so? Well, some would say it's because someone, well, well, someone in authority, you know, betrayed the trust of a child. That's, that's why it's such, a, it's a, such a big deal. But come on, let's be honest. I mean, kids, at some point, you're going to have an adult let you down, right? That's part of life. But, but why is it that this makes such an impact if it's just physical? Question two. Why is it, if, if sex is just physical, then why is it that rape is so devastating to a woman? I mean, why is it, 
Why is it that, that a woman will, will go and report if someone beats her up or someone, you know, uh, mugs her, they'll go and report. But, but rape, so many times women will, will, will carry that and feel the need to keep it secret. And there's shame attached to it. Why, why is it? Why is it? Why is it any different between being beat up than, than being raped if it's just a physical act? Why is it that men who have the, the deepest sexual issues, when you look into it, it t- turns to find out that so many of them have a missing or inactive father, a missing or uninvolved father? Why is it that men who... who I'm not talking about like have dabbled or maybe have been curious, but, but men who are, who are gripped by sexual addiction, when they finally reach out, they finally realize, I can't, just, I can't manage this on my own. I have to get help. They get help, and they, they start to find out that, that there's a connection, that there are some deeper things going on that is causing this addiction. They'd say, you know, I just thought I had an overactive sex drive, but, but there's something more. There's, there's something connected here. Where does that come from if sex is just a, a physical act? Why is it, why is it that people's, it seems to be the people's greatest regrets tend to revolve around something that's sexual? I mean, why is it that if you were to, if someone were to come into me, to me for counseling and say, hey, hey, I need to talk, I have to talk to somebody, um, I've never told anyone this before. Why is it that automatically I know, okay, they're about to tell me something sexual? Automatically, counselors know, okay, I, I have to deal with this, I've been carrying this weight, I, I need to do something about it. Okay, yeah, it's, it's going to be sexual. Why is that if it's just a physical act? Because here, here's the truth, I think, I think we know this deep down inside us. I think we know that sex and sexuality, it, it's not just physical. It's not, sex is not just physical, but it is phenomenally powerful. Sex is phenomenally powerful. If you have a Bible this morning, we're going to look at some scripture as well, so, so that's good. Uh, you can turn to, <laughs> nice thing about that is you kind of have your head down too, so it's kind of helpful. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and if you don't have a Bible handy, we're going to have the verses on the screen as well. So sex, sex is kind of like fire, okay. Think of fire is, is an, this incredible thing that God has given us. Think of all the things that, that fire gives us. It gives us light and, and heat. And it produces incredible amounts of energy. I mean, fire has the ability to forge steel. It can, can create something that, that has <laughs> so much strength and so much power. And um, fire, in the right context, is, uh, yeah, there you go, is, is it's an enhancing gift, right? But look at that. I love that, okay? I mean, we're, we're starting to get into fall. We're starting to get into fireplace season, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing better than sitting in front of a cozy fire with, like, a cup of coffee hot cocoa or something, you know, kind of like, you know, snuggled up or whatever. It is great. In the right context, in a fireplace, fire is, is an enhancing gift. But in, in the wrong context, in the wrong context, when it's mishandled, uncontained, it, it, it's carelessly dealt with, it damages and destroys what you've built or those you love in the wrong context. See, here's the thing, God designed sex to be so powerful that it's the only thing that can produce another human. Do you realize that? Like sex, it, it produces, you can, you can produce humans. 
That, we all know that, right? Like, duh. But like, like when you think about that, that's like mind-blowing. And God said, I want it to be in something so meaningful and something so powerful that the only safe place to contain that is in marriage. And sex in marriage is the fireplace, okay? So God designed sex to be so powerful that it can create another human. And you know what? The more we, the more we delve into to brain chemistry, the more we see just how powerful this thing is. So I want, I want to look at a little more science today. We looked at science a couple weeks ago, but I want to look at a little bit more science and, and brain chemistry because as the discipline of neuroscience has advanced, as it's developed over just the last few years, it's amazing the things that they've learned and discovered about how brains function. And one of the things they've discovered is that our brain, our brain is, is designed by God for sex to activate our brains in very purposeful ways. That, that when sex occurs, y your brain is, is being activated, and it's happening in a very purposeful way. It's not just like random, you know, excitement. There are chemicals that are being activated in your brain when you are sexually active. So let's kind of look at some of these, some of these chemicals. Okay, they're kind of listed there on the screen. Okay, dopamine. Dopamine is, is that chemical in your brain that kind of gives you a feeling of euphoria when, you're during, when, you, when you've done something, you're doing something you really enjoy. Okay? It's also known as uh, the reward chemical. It's, it's the system in your brain that says, hey, we like this. Let's give them some more dopamine so they know that this is good and we enjoy this and we're, we're liking this activity. So it gives you a hit of dopamine. Okay? It's kind of like the fuel that motivates you. It's designed along with uh, another chemical called neuroepinephrine, okay, which is a chemical that heightens our awareness, okay, kind of makes you come alive and, and you, you're hyper aware to all the things that are going on around you, your sense of smell and, and sight and everything else is activated. It's designed so that you remember, right, it's kind of like on your phone when you go to some place you really like, you can put a pin there so you know how to get back there. Your brain does the same thing, like, hey, let's go back there. We like it there. Enough said, okay? Along with serotonin, which is another chemical that causes like a calming effect after, after sexual activity, okay? Serotonin, if you're familiar with depression at all, there's a lack of serotonin. The, 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 the transmitters aren't firing the right way, okay? And so serotonin is released during sex. Now, the last chemical is called oxytocin. And oxytocin, is an, it's an amazing chemical. We see it released another time in, in human development. It's, it's between a, when a mother and a newborn baby are, are breastfeeding, okay? What happens is, is there's this closeness in between the mom and the baby, and they're, they're looking into each other's eyes, and it's a bonding chemical. It's caused to design trust and bonding in relationships, and that happens during sex. It's released during sex so that bonding occurs. Bonding, not bondage, okay? That's a different topic. And we're not going to talk about that in this series, okay? Just so we're clear. Okay, but, but do you see how these chemicals have purpose? These chemicals that God has designed to operate in our brain. You guys are having more fun this than, than the night ended, so that's good. Um, but Scripture has recognized these chemicals long before we had names to call them. Scripture recognized how this all kind of plays out. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6 Paul is having a conversation about sexuality, and he is talking to, to a community that is very, uh, very sexualized, okay? You think our, our American culture is sexualized? Their culture, it was much more casual and common, uh, it, unbelievable. So Paul, he's addressing this, and now check out what he says in verse 16. He says this, he says, do you not know 
that he who unites himself with a prostitute, so he says, you know, if you're going to be with a prostitute, that's, that's someone that you're not married to, obviously, uh, or there's no committed relationship there. So you, he who unites himself, and now Paul's readers, the, the people who heard this for the first time, say, wait, 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 wait a minute, stop there. What do you mean, unites themselves? Like, no one's uniting. Like, we're just having sex, okay? We're, we're hooking up. There's no unite. Uh, that word uniting, like, Paul, come on. That word is the same word that you use for, like, super glue. Like, like there's a bond created. Like, like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's permanent. And Paul would be like, well, that's the point. That's what I'm trying to communicate. Sex is, it creates a bond. He goes on to say this. It says, he unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body. For it is said, now he's going to quote Genesis, and he's also quoting Jesus at the same time. Genesis says this, then Jesus says it, then Paul says it again. He says, and the two shall become one flesh. Jesus says it's the reason a man leaves his father and mother to be united to his wife. So here's the thing, the purpose of sex, the purpose of sex is to unite a husband and wife in marriage to make them one. So they're no longer two, they come together and they have oneness in this relationship. And that's what all those chemicals that are released during sex, that w- that's what they were designed to do. They have a purpose. Their purpose is to, to unite and to make one. Sex is so much more than physical. It is so much more than physical. But our casual culture says, well, no, no, come on, you need to try before you buy, okay? Like, come on, you need to go out and, 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 and make sure that you're sexually compatible. Now, let me just say, Sexually, you got to make sure you're sexually compatible. Let me ask you, when you go to the store to buy a lamp, do you like just like check to plug it into all the different outlets? You want to make sure it's compatible. Before you take it home, you got, we don't do that. It's, compa- it's compatible. Y'all, you are compatible. I don't think I need to draw a diagram. You're compatible, okay? But, but wait a minute. But, but you want the sex to be good, right? I mean, you want the sex... To be good, and I close my iPad. You want the sex to be good. Um, you don't want to be embarrassed, right? So come on. So if you want the sex, what you, what you got to do is you should go out and practice, right? Our call says go, go out and practice. If you want it to be good, you know, you want to make sure that you, you, you know what you're doing. You don't want to be embarrassed when you get married, right? But the research, our culture says that. But the research, the independent research is finding something very different. Check this out. It says they, they found that testing out a partner with with premarital sex or sex outside of marriage leads to, it's, it's much more likely to break up or to divorce by 75%. Isn't that amazing? Okay, marriage, sex outside of marriage leads to this. You're more likely to experience increased anxiety or depression. More likely to be sexually dissatisfied. More likely to feel guilt and ongoing sexual inhibition. More likely to commit adultery in the future. And I thought this was amazing. Four times more likely for men and eight times more likely for women. (laughs) What? See, when it comes to sex, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes for future problems. But on the other hand, the researchers also has found this. Check this out. Couples who wait to have sex rate the relational satisfaction at at least 20% higher than couples who don't. So they're having better sex. Couples who waited until marriage by 20%. Okay, married couples enjoy sex significantly more than unmarried singles by a factor of 22%. And 
Isn't that interesting? Like you think like, oh, well, you know, if you're out there and you're single, you got freedom. You can go and have as much access as you want. But the sex is going to be so great. Not according to the research. By, by 22%, which <laughs> makes me, how do they do the, like, how do they figure out 22%? I don't know how they get the percentages, but that's, anyhow, that's how my mind works. They also discovered that they're significantly more likely to experience feelings of love and acceptance during sex than those who have sex outside of marriage. Now, now here's the, 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 the big key. A lack of prior sexual experience in partners actually increases the odds of sexual satisfaction. A lack of experience in sexual partners actually increases your odds of, of sexual satisfaction. Here's the, this is good. Consistent ch church attendance have a, a significantly higher frequency and intensity of, or, not going to say that, let's just say enjoyment, okay, uh, than, than the general population. So, okay, I got to be honest, that last one had a little, you know, some ulterior motives because y'all should go to church, okay, and say, go to church, you're going to, you'll thank me for it later, okay, go to church. And I have all the research, if you ever want to see this research, let me know, I can let you see the research. Here's the thing. So why is it though? Why is it that sex in a healthy marriage is better than, than sex out, outside of marriage? Why is that? I think it's because you're not bringing a bunch of pe other people in bed with you. There's not a bunch of other people in bed with you when, when you've only known the one person, you and your spouse, coming into marriage together. Right? That's what I'm saying. He, they know. Because <laughs> you remember that. Because you're not comparing yourself to anyone else. You're not comparing yourself. They think about, you know, well, gee, you know, his ex was, was a size whatever, negative 10, and look at me, and, and you're not comparing yourself. You're not wondering, do I measure up? Okay, you're not worried when your spouse is on a business trip because you know what you know? Well, I knew him before we were, we were together, and, and I knew his character. I knew what he was like, and, 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 and I'm just, I'm assuming it's a, it's a continuation of, of who I've known him to be. Right? When they don't answer their phone and they're out hanging out with their friends, there's not that worry, there's not that concern because trust has been built. I love how Proverbs puts it, I'm sorry, the, the Song of Solomon puts it like this. Song of Solomon 7, verse 10 says this. I, and this is the, the woman in, the, in the, the, the verse, she's saying, I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. Come on, ladies, can you imagine being able to, to say that, be, be able to know that? Like, he's the, you're the only ones that have been together. I belong to him. And not in like a, like a, a macho kind of way, but I know I have his heart. Like, I am my, his desire is for me because he hasn't dipped his toe in all the other streams and rivers around. His desire is for me. The message puts it like this. I am my lovers. I am all he wants. I am all the world to him. Think about it. Think about what that does to, to your inhibitions, right, ladies, when you know, like, like you're the only one. His desire is all for you. All you've known is each other, right? That sets, you, that sets so much freedom and so much inhibition is gone when you know that, when you have that type of trust. Because here's the truth. Great sex takes time. Great sex. And it doesn't, okay, it takes time to, for sex to become really great. And the truth is this, it is easier and more fun to learn sex in marriage than it is to unlearn in marriage all the sexual baggage. Come on, it's so much easier, it takes so much less time, it still takes time, but it takes, it's a better use of your time, okay? 
okay? You can use your time wondering, am I, how, how, anyhow, okay? Or you can use your time learning, okay? It, it's better and easier to learn than it is to unlearn all that sexual baggage. Sexual baggage like pornography. Yeah, we're going go, <laughs> to go there today too, okay? I mean, if it's just physical, what's the big deal? Our culture has made porn mainstream, okay? We laugh about it. We joke about it. It's, on, on TV, it's in TV and, and in movies. It's just assumed that it's out there. It's happening. And the message is this. Well, everyone's watching. You know, everyone is, is engaged in this. It's no big deal. It's not hurting anyone. And you know what? It's just this physical activity that, that I'm doing to take the pressure off until I get married. Okay, once I get married, then yeah, I'll kind of put that, I'll be done with that. But once again, like we talked about a few weeks ago, it's like smoking. Okay, research is catching up with what culture has thought. I mean, I don't know if you realize this, during World War II, when, when our boys were being sent off to, to fight the, the Nazis, uh, in their rations, they were given packages of cigarettes. So we got, we got to take care of the boys. We'll put cigarettes in their rations. And now they've learned that that wasn't a good idea. It wasn't healthy. It wasn't good for them. Our culture is slowly catching up and recognizing that the idea of pornography, it's really not good for us, okay? So the research is catching up. 20% of Internet porn comes from coerced or trafficked children. doesn't hurt anybody, though, right? 20% from coerced or trafficked children is a part of, the, of uh, trafficking, okay? Some of it is involved in, in, in rape or where alcohol or drugs have been involved, and, and the person didn't know what they're doing. Can you imagine the worst moments of your life, the worst season of your life? You, you tried to get past it, and now all of a sudden you see yourself on a screen. And you can do your very best to try to get rid of it, but, but the, the porn industry, they've made it very difficult. They have these lawyers working in this. They, they bounce around from, from one site to another site. It's very difficult to get these videos removed. Porn is addictive. Doctors, they're, they're now describing it. It's like the natural version of heroin. Remember how we said dopamine, dopamine is involved in sex? Well, in, in porn, what happens is, you know, your, your brain lights up. You get a hit of dopamine. Hey, we, we like that. That's enjoyable. You should, you should do that again. You should seek out more. But just like with any other drug, you need more. You need more of the stimuli. And so you need more, more images or videos and, and more variety, more, more uniqueness. And it just takes you down a rabbit hole. It becomes more and more of an addictive thing. Now, some might say, well, well, hey, if it's so addictive, then why haven't I haven't heard about it? Why aren't there doctors, you know, going and making a huge deal of this? Well, the simple answer is money. Okay? Money. Did you know that in the, in the U.S., porn brings in $13 billion a year? That's almost double of what Hollywood does. Um, porn produces, it's more than all the major tech companies combined. And if you include uh, China and Japan and South Korea stats, it's $86 billion a year. You know what all that money means? Lobbyists. They're lobbyists, and, and under the guise of the First Amendment, under the guise of freedom of speech, they're, they're pushing to try to quietly keep this industry going. But the truth is, is porn is hurting the world, and it hurts the ones that we love. Some more statistics. Being married to a porn viewer increases... The, the spouse's odds of depression by 43%. It also increases odds of body image issues. Women generally experience a 40% reduction in self-esteem after marrying a man who views porn. And 75% of married porn addicts eventually virtually stop having sex 
with their spouse. Why is that? Why does it play out that way? Because, because God designed our brains to release chemicals, right, for the purpose of uniting a husband and wife and, as one. And the more we treat sex as just something physical with multiple partners and engaging porn, you are disrupting the chemicals in your brain and the way they were designed to work. And so here's the thing. In light of this, what do you think your loving Heavenly Father who cares for you, who wants the best for you, what do you think he would say? What do you think his advice would be to his children that he loves? 1 Corinthians 6, jump down to verse 18, he says this. He says, therefore, flee sexual immorality. He says, run from it, distance yourself from it. Distance yourself from, from, from the way everyone else does relationships. Don't do relationships like the culture does it. Don't engage in entertainment like the culture engages, it, engages in it. Run from it. And he gives us the reason why. He says, for all other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Wow, that's, that's a huge statement. Do you recognize that? He says, hey, all other sins are outside your body, but when you sin sexually, when you mishandle and misuse sexuality, you're actually sinning against your own body. But what does that mean? It means you're working against the design. You're working against the way God designed your body and your brain to be. God designed, your brain and your body are doing exactly what God designed it to do. When, when, you, when you mishandle sexuality, your brain and your body are doing exactly what they were designed to do. They don't know that you're not engaging with your spouse. They just know sex is happening, sexual activity is happening, so here's a wash of chemicals to get you ready for that. And so <laughs> you're fighting against your own body when we, when we mishandle sexuality. And that's why your Father in heaven says run from that because it damages you. It hurts you. It damages your relationships. It damages your, your, your marriage and your family, your future marriage and family. That's why we have to run from it. See, sex has purpose. Sex has purpose. It's like this. I'd say sex is kind of like a postage stamp. Okay, a postage stamp has one purpose. Okay, you're writing a letter, you're communicating important information to someone else, so you want to make sure it gets through, gets to them, so you put a stamp on it. And a stamp is designed to, to make sure, to ensure the important message you're sending gets to the person you want to, to receive it. Sex is kind of like um, a post-it note. It's like a sticky note, okay? Uh, sticky notes, post-it notes, uh, they have one purpose. And, and what's great about them is... Uh, the side here on, on the back, right? Because you can write a message like, uh, hey, don't forget, you're getting the kids at 2.15. And you take it and you post it on the fridge and it stays there and your husband sees it and hopefully he remembers, okay? And if he doesn't, so I didn't see Anyhow, that's marriage counseling. That's my own thing. Or, hey, pay, time to pay the property taxes at the end of the week. And you post it on the TV or on the coffee pot or someplace they'll see it, okay? A post-it note, what makes it so valuable, what makes it work is is on the backside, the bond that it creates, that it makes sure the message gets through. And think about it. Marriage was designed so that very important messages would get through to your spouse. You stood at an altar like this with, with parents and family all around you. You said, I, I make a vow to love, honor, and cherish you. I love you. And that's a message you want to stick with your spouse as long as you live. I love you. I trust you. I trust you. Okay, go, go on the business trip. Go hang out with your friends. I trust you. Sex is the bond that causes that. You're valuable. 
You're beautiful. See, you can do it, okay? You're capable. All these messages, okay, that we want to make sure that they communicate. We'll make it together. We'll make it. I, you know what? Everything's going on. I believe we're going to make it. And so you communicate that to your spouse. Here's the thing. It's designed to carry those messages that, 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 that stick with us and all the things that a marriage goes through. Think about, think about all the things that a person goes through in a marriage. Miscarriages, job losses, financial hardships, the loss of your parents. Think about it. As time goes on, I've experienced this. You, you, if you stay married, you're going to lose your parents with your spouse. Okay? That, that's going to happen. Sorry, it's going to happen. Your children are going to grow up, and, and if you have troubles with your kids, you, that's going to happen inside of a marriage. Health challenges. You're going to experience health challenges as you get older. And here's the thing. This note is designed so this sticks with you, so that you stick together. Sex is the bond in marriage. You come together and you, you unite and says, we're going to make it. I love you. I am sticking with you. Oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, I'm going to, I love you. But I, I guess I love my computer a little bit more. I love my phone a little bit more. I've, uh, I want to love you. I, I want to, to be intimate, and I want to feel bonded with you. I, I want you to be the only person in the bedroom with me. And yet, if you take a sticky note and you stick it around to a bunch of other places. Now, I've heard this illustration used before to see, look, look, look how, how dirty that is. Look how gross that is. Um, you know, you have nothing to offer your, your spouse. I want, I'm not saying that. Please hear me. I'm not, it has nothing to do with that. You are not dirty. You are not less valuable. You have something to offer and bring your spouse. But God designed us on purpose. He designed our brains on purpose. And chemicals, they, they have reality. And so even though we may want to bond, we may want to communicate, we may want to be married for the rest of our lives, if we don't honor the way God designed us, we might say, I do, but does it mean we can? Now, let me just talk to the married people here for a second. If you're married and you're not having sex regularly, you need to. You're welcome. <laughs> Some of the guys are like, I, like, the one Sunday I come to church, yes, this is awesome. I'm so glad I came to church. And some of the wives are like, the one Sunday he comes to church, are you kidding me? But here's the thing. Now, now here's the, I, I understand that, that intimacy looks different in different seasons in your life, okay? If you have young kids, if you, if you have newborns, intimacy is going to look different, okay? If you have health challenges, intimacy is going to look different. As we age, intimacy looks different. But let me say this, it's okay for intimacy to look different, but it's not okay for intimacy to disappear, Okay, it's not okay for it to disappear. Okay, um, God made sex not just for procreation, but he also made it for marital recreation. Okay, God made sex for pleasure inside of marriage. And here's the thing, people think, well, well God and the church, they're anti-sex, right? Like, <laughs> nothing can be further from the truth. God invented sex. It's not like one day, like, some dude, like, tripped and discovered sex. Okay, 
God invented it, and he made it to be enjoyable, okay? Like, seriously, it's not like some dirty old person like, God did this, okay? He wants it to be enjoyable. And here's the thing. If you were to look <laughs> at human anatomy, there are actually some parts in the human body that serve no reproductive purpose. The only purpose they have is for pleasure. It's like, God did that. Like, Hollywood didn't do that. The, the porn, in it, God did that. God made sex and he wants it to be enjoyable. Is God anti-sex? That's like asking if a park ranger is anti-campfire. Okay? What are you talking about anti-campfire? Are you anti-campfire? I'm not anti-campfire. I love campfires. I'm a, I'm a stinking park ranger. I'm, I'm anti-reckless fire. I'm anti-uncontained forest fire. God's, God's like, I'm not anti-sex. I'm anti-pain. I'm anti-regret. I'm anti-sex that damages and, and causes destruction in your lives, in the lives of those that you love. Right? Come on. God's not anti-sex. And, and neither is the church. Okay? We're not, not prudes. We just know we want you to experience it the, the best. Now, let me just say this. Maybe you're here today and say, well, you know what? I got some baggage, though. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not a super Christian. I, I have a history. I have a past. I've made some mistakes. You know those situations you were talking about earlier? That's my story. There, there's some hurts in my life that make this very difficult. What are you saying? Are you saying that, that you know, I should just, you know, the chemicals are damaged now, so I should just throw out any, any hope of, of having meaningful intimacy? Let, let me say this first of all. First of all, the answer is no. But I'll say this. You are not alone. You are not alone. See, we live in a broken world, and our sexuality has been affected by that. Every single, single one of us, we, we have, we're affected in our sexuality because of the broken world that we live in, okay? Everyone has some things they're working on. Everyone has some areas where, where God needs to, to get involved in our sexuality, okay? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's hope. The, the key is you need to know that there is hope. See, neuroscience, once again, is catching up with what Scripture has known all along. I love the Scripture. It might be one of my favorites. This is Romans 12, too. It says this. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. If Paul were writing today, maybe he would have said, don't conform any longer to the neuro pathways of this world. He says, but instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what he's saying? Transformation is possible. Healing is possible. The more neuroscience has developed, it used to think the brain was, was solid, it was set in stone, it was like concrete. When you made a mark, it stayed there forever. We are learning now, it's called, called neuroplasticity, which means your, God designed your brain so it can heal. God wants your brain to heal. He wants you to not conform any longer to that old pattern, that old way of doing sexuality, of doing relationships, of engaging in entertainment. He says, you can experience transformation. You can experience healing in your mind. You can experience true, genuine intimacy in a relationship. Maybe you've been married before. Maybe you've been married a couple times. There's still hope. Okay? You've made some bad choices. You're like, why can't I? Every time I get in a relationship, I feel like I just can't connect. I can't bond. I, I just, I, I mess myself up. I get in my own head too much. There's hope. There's hope. The scripture gives us hope. So, so what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, for some of us, that may mean you, you may need to cancel your streaming subscription or delete an app that you swipe on, okay? You, you may need to get a filter on your computer or your phone. Well, for some, it may mean you need to get honest with some people about the things that you're struggling with, 
Okay, remember how Paul said, he said, we need to flee sexual morality? He doesn't stop there. 2 Timothy 2, verse 22 says this. He says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. See, fleeing, fleeing is only the first step. Fleeing is step one. Then friendship with people that are going the same direction as you is step number two. Okay, flee from the immorality, flee from the, from the past behaviors, and then say, hey, you know what? There's someone over there, like the way she's doing singleness, like she's not constantly angsty and, and you know, uh, all sorts of issues. Like I want to do singleness like that. I want to do singleness with hope and with, with joy, knowing that it's not my identity, it's a season in my life. See that couple over there, they've been married for a couple years. Man, it looks like they got things together. I want our marriage to look like their marriage. Let's get together with them. Let's, let's pursue God along with those who call on him out of a pure heart. Those people down the road, they've been married 10, 15 years. They got teenagers. That, we got young kids, but I see the way their, their teenagers are. I want to have a family that looks like their family. Let's get together. That's why we promote Connect Group so much. Because what happens in here, this is awesome, coming together, worshiping, hearing a message. But when you get around, <laughs> when you sit on a couch in someone's living room, in a coffee shop, and you get real, that's when life change happens. That's when healing happens. That's when transformation happens. Now, for some of you, maybe you're single. And you say, you know what? I'm looking at <coughs> how I've been doing relationships. I've been seeing this whole thing the eyes of my culture, you know what, I need things to be different. Maybe, maybe you're just getting out of a divorce, out of a bad relationship. You know, you know I, the best advice I would give to you, take out your phone, take out your calendar, look a year, one year from today, and circle the date, and say, you know what, I'm going to take a year, and I'm not going to date anybody. And that means I'm not going to be physical with anyone either. I'm going to take that time, and I'm going to allow God to bring healing to my brain. I'm going to allow the chemicals to reset themselves. I'm going to create new neural pathways so I can have that relationship that I want to have. Okay? Take time and do that. For some, you know what that means? It means talking with a counselor. So you're like, well, I ain't going to do that. What's it? Come on. Are we talking about meet, meet with a counselor, meet with a marriage counselor? Like, like do, you, do, do you really think that's necessary? Let me ask you. I knocked that over. You can't do it. If your car, if you were to go out today and start driving your car and start making a weird noise, like what would you do? Would you ignore it? Or would you like do something about it? Would you pay attention to it? Would you, would you try to figure out what's going on? And if you couldn't figure it out, what would you do? Would you go and you take it to a professional? Would you take it to someone who knows more about this than you do? And there would be no shame in that at all, right? Now, let me ask you, do we value our cars more than we value our marriage? Come on, if you're single, do you, do you value your car more than your future future relationship? If you're married and you don't have kids yet, do you value your car more than you do a happy, healthy family that you're going to model for your kids? Grandparents are going to model someday for your grandkids. Grandma and grandpa, we made it through. We're still together because God is with us and we, we followed God's ways. Come on, we can do that. Because here's the thing. There are a lot of things we can say about sex. It's It's complicated. It's uh, confusing at times. It, it can be awkward and awesome. But the one thing you can't say about sex is that it's nothing. You can't say that it's just physical. It's just nothing. It, it doesn't hold that in the cards. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that this message is over. 
although we have part two next week. Um, I am in no ways an expert on these things. Um, God, this is difficult to talk about. This is, this is awkward. Um, but Father, you want us to pay attention to the things that are uncomfortable. So Father, I pray you'd help us to do that. I pray that you would help us to seek you, God, that you would show us what direction and what steps we need to take. That Lord, you help us to no longer treat sex and our sexuality like it was just physical, but that we could see it for what it really is, that it's a phenomenal, powerful gift you've given us. So God, I pray you'd help us to make those choices. God, help us to see ourselves through your eyes, that we are not, uh, we're not um, lacking in value, that we're not dirty, but that we are your son and your daughter who you love so much and you want to see us healed and whole. You want to see us in healthy, healthy relationships. So Father, would you help us to do the hard work now? Would you help us to engage, roll up our sleeves and be willing to do the work so that healing can happen? As we're praying this morning, maybe you're here and you know what? I recognize that a message like this, it hits people in so many different areas. Like I could go through a laundry list of well, maybe it's this or maybe it's that. But you know what? I think we, we all have issues that God's working on in our relationships and in our sexuality. And so in just a few moments, we're going to open this entire altar area up. We'll have members of our prayer team here. They would love to pray with you. And here's the thing. I don't want us to assume if someone's coming down for prayer, oh, that must mean their marriage is in trouble. That must mean they're in some crazy addiction. No, no, no. That means we want more of God. This is We need God to work in our sexuality. We need God to work in our relationships. We need God to work in every area of our lives. So I want to encourage you. Would you be brave if God is stirring in your heart to respond? And whatever that looks like, if it means coming to the front and kneeling in prayer, or receiving prayer, if it means making an altar, and right at your seat, respond to God. Because He wants to work in our lives. He wants to bring healing and hope, if we'll let Him. But before we do that, I just, I just have to throw this out here. You know what? Maybe you are here today, and you think, man, I can't believe we're talking about this in church. Why? I can't believe a church would talk about sexuality. It just seems so, so, you know, out there. We're talking about it because God... He cares. He doesn't just care about your eternal life. He doesn't just want to put a little stamp on your weight until you get to heaven. He cares about your everyday life. And he knows that the surrounded in our sexuality is hurt and pain and confusion. You have a father who loves you too much to ignore that. Just come on, I want to be in relationship with you. Maybe you've been going off doing things your own way and you, you've got the scars to prove it. You have a father who says, come on, would you walk with me? Would you let me lead your life? I want to lead you down a different path. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never committed your heart to Jesus, or maybe you'd say, you know, I know I'm not really living for God right now. So I want to commit my life to Jesus. With everyone's eyes closed, if that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can know who I'm praying for. I'm not going to call you up to the front. I just want to know who I'm praying for. See you there in the back. God bless you. Anybody else say, I want to commit my life to Jesus. So I'm going to give you a moment. I see your hand there on the side. God bless you. Here's the thing. Even if you didn't raise your hand, you know, we're going to say a simple prayer together. And if it's the intention of your heart, you are inviting God to be working in your life. And at Vantage Point Church, no one prays alone. So I'm going to invite the entire congregation to pray this prayer with me. Let's make this our prayer together. Father God, I give you my life. I'm sorry for going my own way. For choices that have hurt me and choices that have hurt you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins to give me healing, hope, and new life. I receive you now in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vantage Point Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more episodes. If you love it, you can rate the podcast and share it with your friends. We love you and hope you join us again next week.